This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by GoGo's Bootcamp. Are you a real estate agent looking for the very best media training program on the planet? GoGo Bethke is considered the top Instagram realtor in the country, and her step-by-step training program will take your social media game to the next level. Keeping It Real listeners receive a special discount, so please visit gogopodcast.com. That's G-O-G-O podcast.com for your special discount. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris, as always, and I am your guide and host through the show, as always. At first, we always like to just say thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for helping support our show, keeping us growing, and of course, the best way you can always do that is by telling a friend. Think of one other real estate agent you know that could benefit from hearing the secrets of top producers like the guest I'm about to mention and send them a link to our show. You can always find us at face, I'm sorry, at our website, uh, keepingitrealpod.com, but also follow us on Facebook. Why? Because not only do we post every episode we've ever done on our Facebook page, we also post articles that we find online specifically to help you grow your business. We do that every single day. So find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash keepingitrealpod. Now, Today, I am really excited. We're about to introduce our guest here in a moment. Her name is Tracy McLaughlin, and I'll tell you why I'm so excited. Number one, she is the top number one realtor in one of the most exclusive counties in the entire country, Marin County. So we are so excited to hear for how does somebody get to the very top of the most exclusive area or one of the most exclusive areas of this entire country. So guys, without further ado, let's bring on Tracy McLaughlin. Today on the show, we have Tracy McLaughlin from the agency in Marin County. Uh, Tracy was named Marin County's top producing agent in 2019 for a record-breaking 14th straight year with over 176 million in closed transactions in 2019. The combination of Tracy's styling recommendations, strategic pricing, unparalleled international marketing program, and superior photography are integral parts of her consistently successful sales. She is also the author of the new book, Real Estate Rescue, How America Leaves Billions Behind in residential real estate and how to maximize your home value. Now, the Wall Street Journal has ranked Tracy as the 20th highest producing real estate agent in the country, and that's out of over 1.4 million real estate agents. Truly incredible. Please follow her on Facebook. You can find her at Marin Fine Homes. That's Marin F-I-N-E Homes. And also on Instagram at Tracy McLaughlin. And please visit her website, TracyMcLaughlin.com. That's Tracy, T-R-A-C. CYMcLaughlin.com. Tracy, we are so excited to have you. Hey, thank you so much for having me, DJ. I'm excited to be here. 
We are excited too. And this, I know just how busy you are. And we probably should start out by saying right now, um, this is a difficult time for people in Marin County with the wildfires. And so for all of our listeners and viewers who are in the Northern California area who are experiencing uh, some of these challenges where our heart goes out to you and we hope everything gets resolved quickly. How has this impacted um, some of your buyers and sellers and, and friends and Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have three listings we were going to release in the last, you know, week and a half, two weeks that we had. It started with a quote heat storm, you know, heat storm. I'd never even heard that weather term before. So we had a heat storm for about four or five consecutive days. And then the wind shifts with all these disparate fires going on all over the state. And it's just clouding uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. In fact, it's cut the sun completely. So it's actually, ironically, it's cold now with smoke. I mean, it's just, it's almost apocalyptic. Everybody's walking around saying, what, what is going on? The streets are empty and nobody's really looking at sales. Although I have to tell you, I did get an offer on a house today. So I thought, wow, somebody stepped up in the middle of all this and boldly, you know, gave us an offer. So. Well, I, I have friends who last week uh, or right when this was happening were like, oh my gosh, over the weekend, it was in the 80s in San Francisco. They were so excited, but it was also kind of hot for them. And then this happened. I mean, it's just been a crazy time. And then of oh, course, with the pandemic and everything else, um, you were saying, we were talking before we started and you you said you've never been busier. Um, you're putting in what, like 15 hour days. Um it's uh, how is how has COVID changed your day to day activity? Yeah, great question. You know, I've been I'm old enough now that I've been through two definitive uh, challenging cycles. The first one being in uh, at nine eleven when that happened, sure. and then again in two thousand and eight. Sure. So when we got the notification, you know, California went into shelter in place first in the country. I, I think it was on March 9th. And I remember as soon as it's, you know, that shelter in place was instituted and we had to be in our homes as of noon. And of course that just seemed so ominous at the time. I went right into like almost an autopilot of here we go again. I'm at the top of the roller coaster. We've had this incredibly frothy market and we are gonna fall straight down. I mean, I had all my synapses fired to go right into that same mode that I went into in 2002 and again in 2008, which is, I'm gonna work as many hours as possible to get my clients through this, to talk people off the ledge, to not have them canceling listings, to being encouraging that, you know, it's hopefully this is a temporary, you know, affliction and let's let's continue to transact. You know, because I think, you know, when things like this happen, people freeze and they do nothing. And that's as a real estate agent, as we all know, that we can't do, we cannot make a living when people freeze. So I just kept getting on the phone with people, talking them through it. You know, here, we're going to be able to show properties on a limited basis starting in three or four weeks. We can still get your photos, to, you know, whatever we had to do to get through that. And of course, it's turned out to be the opposite of what I originally predicted. I just could not marry how a country shuts down, the service economy shut down, airlines are shut down, transportation, you know, retail shopping, and yet we have this incredibly frothy market going on, at least where we live right now. Like there's so much disparity in that for me. I don't, I still, it's hard to reconcile the two, but that's what's happened, so. 
Yeah, we, we're seeing the same thing here in Chicago, where just obviously with lending rates being where they're at, there's a lot more purchasing power that buyers had that they didn't have. Um, and But there's a lot less um, inventory as well. So we're seeing multiple offer situations and it's, it's boy, it's tricky to even get into C properties. And um, But I would love to go all the way back to the beginning, just to give our, our audience an understanding of how you got into real estate. We'd love to hear how you got from, from where you are now or from where you are now. From, from where you started? Sure. Well, you know, it's, I really kind of fell into the business backwards. Um, I was a television journalist. I had studied journalism, worked for different NBC affiliates, on-camera writing, reporting, anchoring. And, uh, and then I was hosting a television show on travel and skiing for about five years. It took me all over the world. I was four months pregnant. We were about to go over to Russia and jump into mi- Russian military helicopters to heli ski on the show. And my then husband said, absolutely not. You're not going to wreck the car. And I was like, what am I going to do? This is all I've known. So he said, listen, I I literally did not know what I was going to do. I love this television show I was on. And so we ended up buying the house down the street from us. Same house, same floor plan. It needed work. And I flipped it and we did really well on it. And I was like, well, that was kind of fun. And I just kind of had a sixth sense. I don't even know how I grasped this, but I walked in and understood how to make finishes and spaces um, really be monetized for the market at that time. And then we started doing one after another. And then I thought, well, I'm just paying somebody a lot of money in commissions to flip these houses. I might as well get a license. And then of course it kind of took off from there. We, and I just, it escalated and escalated. I can tell you now sitting here, and I always tell my children this, what you think you're going to end up doing just because you study, it it could be a complete 180, which is what happened in my career. I never thought I'd be a salesperson. Yeah. Well, it's funny too. Like I know in college, I studied psychology and management and I am neither a psychologist and nor do I, re- well, I guess I manage a few people, but, but it's completely different from what I thought I was going to be. Um, I'll tell you, but- I should have studied psychology to do this job. <laughs> Well, there is a lot of there is a lot of armchair psychology that goes oh. on with making sure buyers and sellers uh, keep. You know, it's funny. I I'm in the process of buying a home myself, and uh, not my first home, by the way. And uh, I have a license as well. I don't even trust myself. I have my boss doing all of my transaction for me because I'm like I I am way too emotional and I know better. So I'm not even. You know, they say what they say like a doctor who's his own patient is is has a fool for a client, something like that. So I even push it off because it gets too emotional for me. But um, so talk about, so you started doing flipping, um, but then you had to go out and find clients as well. And, and obviously our listeners go, oh my gosh, she did a hun- almost $200 million last year in production, but everyone starts somewhere. How did you go out there when you first started and market yourself? And how, how did you find clients? Yeah. So, you know what I did? And I, I, I speak about this a lot and I think, you know, it is the singular best piece of advice that I could give to my colleagues and peers is to come up with a brand for yourself and consistently execute that brand. So what I did was I, because I was doing all this renovation and flipping and I had sub trades working for us and I knew I understood drywall and painting and I ended up creating this concept called the McLaughlin concierge service. I got a phone number that went to a lot, you know, somebody actually answered the phone. It was a separate phone number from my own and all of my ads, I created an image 
with an iconic Greek column and I wrapped the word drywall painter, you know, landscape designer. I wrapped the subtrades names around, you know, what they did for a living around that yeah. column. And I said, even if you're not selling a house with me, call me, I will, I will help you with references. I will give you guidance in terms of, and I'm telling you a little bit of like a pro bono advice goes a long way in this business. I ended up having people say, Oh my God, I can't believe you're helping me and you don't even get anything out of this. And then two years later, of course, I would get the phone call. So the McLaughlin concierge service had an, you know, it had an image. It told people what I did. And I did not let go of that ad campaign for about five years. And that's how I started. So I think that coming up with a brand and having a visual component to the brand and consistently executing it is really the name of the game. You've got to separate yourself out from your competition. And that's what great branding is. So yeah, it's such a great idea. I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about, um, I, I just had a flat tire the other day and I was thinking about, well, there was another issue with my car and I was waiting to get that fixed and looked at, and then I got a flat tire on top of it. And I, and I, thankfully the mechanic that I go to that fixes everything on my car is like two blocks from my office. I'm super lucky to have what I believe is the best mechanic in Chicago, just a few blocks away. And I trust him. And I tell every single person I know, and everybody needs a good mechanic and whatever something breaks down with our car or with our home, we're always like, oh gosh, I don't know if I'm getting screwed here. I don't, I don't know what these quotes, who to, who to trust. Um, yeah. And there is something so valuable about having that, you know, th those vendors uh, on uh, sort of at the ready. And for you, that's a really such, and, and a lot of agents go, oh yeah, well, I have, I have a lender and I've got a contractor and I've got a title company, et cetera. But but you were actually out there promoting this concierge service um, outside yeah. of wait. And, and I think that is so brilliant um, because everybody needs, we don't have time to go out and find those professionals. It's so stressful to figure, to get five quotes and to figure out who am I supposed to go with when I can just go to you say, who should I go with? And you just tell me. So I think that's, that's right. really great advice for our listeners. Well, I'm glad. And you know, here's the thing. And I, I mentor a lot of my colleagues and people getting into the business. And I, what I see is trepidation for the consistent execution of what we're talking about. Like, oh, you know, Tracy, I tried Marine Magazine twice and I didn't get a call submitted right. and on to the next flavor of the month. I'm like, no, no, no. You have got to be in a staff. I don't care if you've never sold one home. All you have to do, and you can do this with farming. It's such an old fashioned term, but you can do this with farming neighborhoods as well. You take a postcard, it doesn't matter if you haven't sold anything. You brand yourself on that postcard, whether it's knowledge. And it's not about how many homes you've sold on that postcard. It's about how many times you send, you send that postcard out. 100%. Send it, send it, send it, keep sending it. And finally people go, oh, that's that guy that's an expert in, you know, uh, the Fairview area. You know, the guy's never sold a house. But it's just, it's after a while, people, they buy into it. It's like... Yeah. Why do we buy into Apple, right? A great right. packaging. It's much more expensive than other devices because we expect something with the execution of the brand. Same with the four seasons. You just begin to believe that the brand is that much more elevated because you are being told that. You're being shown that. So that's, it's a super important. And, and people always say to me, yeah, but everything's taken. Like, you know, if she was a lawyer, her JD, you know, this one already is defined as this. How am I going to find a niche to fall into, right? The reality is you can find a niche to fall into. You are differentiated just because your voice is different, your looks are different, you, the way you interact with people is different. The way you, you know, however you see yourself as being really elevated in this field, 
play on that. You know, if you're a guy that likes to host parties, keep inviting the neighborhood over for cocktails, whatever you do, but consistently do it. So, yeah, I mean, our, our, this dopey little podcast started because I thought, you know, somebody should be collecting uh, the stories of top producers and sharing them with the, the general uh, real estate professional population. And I thought, oh, no one's done that. And I went, oh, okay, I guess I could do it. And my boss said something very smart to me because um, really this is just something I do on the side. And he said, I'll let you do it because it's fun. But he said, you have to commit to doing it for a minimum of two to three times a week for a year. And nobody is going to probably listen to the show for the first six months. So just prepare yourself for that. And, um, and he was right. And, and I stuck it out now we're here four or five years later now we have a large audience but the point is it's branding you have to just keep producing consistent results as tracy just said so whether you're sending postcards or you're knocking on doors or you're making cold calls or you're hitting your sphere of influence or you're sending items of value whatever you're doing it has to be done consistently and that's just branding 101 so whatever you're going to commit to throw yourself into it and it you know don't just send one postcard send 52 over the next over the next year send one a week I and mean, that's maybe that's overkill but whatever you need to do you know the average consumer needs to see something like 20 or 30 times before it even sinks in that's right and i i always tell this story too there was a just most darling older man he must have been 88 years old i couldn't believe he was still living in his home alone he had lost his wife huh. clothes were still in the closet for whatever reason his grown children were there assisting him in his transition and I walked in the house, he gave me a call and he said, you see that? And he pointed towards the postcard. He said, that's been on that refrigerator for four years, Tracy. I was just waiting. Now oh. that almost gives me chills to think that somebody yeah. would save a piece of written material for four years, but they're visual and I know they sound old fashioned and it's, and listen, Facebook advertising's amazing too. Don't get me wrong, but there is something still that's incredible. I always say to my staff, I know we're spending another five or 8,000 on postcards. You know, we do that pretty consistently there's always a transaction that comes out of every single postcard mailing and that transaction is more 30 50 dollars in fees for the one five to eight thousand so you i always tell people getting started to take it depending on where your region is but take a hundred thousand dollars out of the bank do borrow it do whatever you have to do and it, just look at that as buying a business because that's what we're doing we're buying our own business right Absolutely. You are running a business and you have to invest in your own business and there's a return on investment. And so if you're doing postcards and you go, well, I, I did it once and it didn't work. Of course it didn't work. You have to do it for one to two years consistently. And that means that, yeah, you might be operating at a bit of a loss, but hey, you know what? So do most businesses for the first few years. That is normal. It's not fun. It's not fun and it isn't comfortable, but it is what most businesses go through. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. I want to talk about your book as well because I, I always get off topic and then I never get to the to, to the book and this is such a cool book I really want to talk about it so the, the name of the book is called real estate rescue how America leaves billions behind in residential real estate how to maximize your home value talk a little bit about it this is this is a really important book thank you so much for bringing up the book and I am I'm so passionate about the subject so uh, I'll give you in a quick nutshell what happened I, I am and I'm sure like everybody that's seasoned in our business I watched the same bad movie go on day after day in our business, right? So it starts with, if you look at us as money managers, what 40% of America's wealth is tied up in its primary asset, which is your single, your, your, your first residence, your primary residence. 40% of the country's wealth is in their primary residence. But guess what? The people governing that, that, that industry, 
we are people's money managers, and yet all we have to do in most states in this country is be 18 years of age, about 60 hours worth of Anthony's real estate school, and right. boom, I'm walking in and giving you advice on your biggest asset. So I look at real estate as money management. I don't see it as sales. I see it as managing people's biggest assets. So what, what has happened over the course of, of the years in our business is America doesn't really trust us. I, one of the opening chapters, you know, trust your doctor, trust your lawyer, trust your real estate agent. I don't think so. And the reason we're not trusted and the reason our jobs are so challenging with people not wanting to believe us when we're giving them great guidance is that lack of formal education in the arena within which we're working. We should really have an undergraduate degree in real estate and maybe even a graduate degree and things like checks and balances, just like if you did a series seven, took a series seven test as a stockbroker. We don't have anybody with listening to what we're saying to people, managing us, cross-checking what we tell people. So that inherent distrust is what allows a lot of mistakes to be made in this country about how people sell their homes. Very quickly, of course, it won't be quick, but um, I, I'll just tell you in a nutshell, I watched a divorcee in a very affluent community that I was living and working in and still do. I thought she was going to hire me. She hired a friend who had been listening to her divorce woes for about seven months. And the woman had never done a high end. She was kind of a socialite hanging a shingle in real estate just because sure. she had fun. No experience. And this gal hires her. They, she mismanages the staging. She overpriced the house. The first offer I made on that house was very reasonable. It was for $5 million. The house was probably, you know, it was listed at like five, four. I think I offered five. That's what it was worth. They did not respond to the offer. 10 months later, I went back and bought that same house for around $4.5 million. And when I saw her leave $500,000 on the table, because of the way that listing was managed, I thought, oh my God, there's a book in this subject. I have to write yeah. a book about all these mistakes I've seen over the years and how people get caught in these traps. So in that, that chapter, I said, I hope the friendship was worth a half million dollars because that's what it cost her to be her friend. Right. But what happens is people don't know enough, it, it, you know, people that are hiring us, they don't know enough to understand how much money they left on the table. They just, they do inherent excuses like, oh, I guess the market just wasn't great. Or I guess, I guess, you know, it was soft at the time. Or I get, you know, they can't look to exactly what happened and say, I heard the wrong person who actually mismanaged my biggest asset. So this book was written to change all that. And also to hopefully help my colleagues understand how they can run their businesses to be far more efficient to not have risk in their deals. I take risk out of my deals. You know, we have pre-listing inspections. I don't, I will not list a home unless it's fully inspected on the front end. I don't want canceled escrows. I don't want homes falling in value because somebody walked after a 30-day escrow, et cetera. So there's all sorts of information there that's also really geared towards my, my colleagues, helping them to better their careers. It's really amazing. I mean, what you're really talking about is you are a consultant and you you act as a consultant, as a money manager versus somebody that can list a home on the MLS, which anybody can do who has a license, who goes to Anthony Real Estate School and, you know, sits there for 30 hours and, and gets a license. And um, it, it, in some ways, it's it's kind of too two sides of a, of a sword in a sense, or two sides of the coin, because in some sense, the fact that most agents aren't as skilled really separates you from the pack, but it's also really frustrating. I'm sure for you to see all these mistakes out there that other agents make. 
Well, and you see how deals get so tripped up by people really having no idea what they're doing and, yeah. and or not really following their fiduciary responsibility. It drives me nuts when I see agents take the first offer that comes, if they know a house is going to be hot, we have a lot of multiple offers in the county that I work in. Sometimes agents, because they don't want the pressure of negotiating multiple offers, will just like take an offer that comes in and have, I mean, talk about leaving money on the table without setting an offer date and really publicizing and marketing the home so the seller had the very best opportunity. Like there's just so many things like that that go on. Um, and it's, you know, I, I would love to see higher standards for our industry because really there's a very, there's a lot of very capable, smart people doing this for a living, but you get sort of thrown out with the bathwater and people, you know, that's why when we walk into a home and I say, Mr. Smith, this is a beautiful home, but you've got saturated wall color from the early 1990s, yellows, maroons, whatever. You've got, you know, chandeliers that are from the mid 90s. I know you loved Venice, but you brought that Venetian thing home and now it's just heavily weighing on the young demographic right. that wants to buy your house, right? The reason why Mr. Smith doesn't immediately say, oh, I've got you, Tracy, you're a top person in the country. I will do whatever you say to make the most amount of money in this house. Guess what? Most of the beginning of that relationship is me gingerly walking that line of getting him to trust me, getting him to believe me, getting him to want to believe in these changes so that he's the beneficiary, not me, he is. And that is, that is what's so challenging about our business. The people that really are trying to do a great job making sure people make the most money, they're inherently distrusted. And it takes a long time to walk that line of not fearing that you're going to lose the listing, but getting that person to trust you and being honest. I mean, the governance in this business is honesty. And that is what sometimes slips out because people are fearful of losing the business, not getting the listing because that person... You can tell when you walk in a house if somebody's going to be resistant to your advice. Sometimes when you walk in, they'll just say, I just need you to know, Tracy, I know you're known for this. We're not changing one thing in this house. I'm like, nice to meet you, Mrs. David. <laughs> you know, do, I'm do, here, do, I just I like that Jerry Maguire. Help me to help you. I help me help you. Do you yeah. Now, do, does, this, does this apply as well for pricing when you're talking about listings? Um, you know, if, if you have an owner who, and, and look, all of us are guilty of this with our own residences. I sold a property years ago and I know better and I still put too much value in it. I said, I'm just going to try it at the higher number and see what happens, which was a dumb idea. And then of course I brought it down to reasonable market value and it sold right away. Um, but even I'm, uh, you know, somebody who, who falls prey to that. Um, how do you handle that when a seller says, my home is worth this? And you say, well, it's not worth this. And they're adamant to that. Are, do you walk or, or what do you do in those sense? You know, I'm so bad. I hang on to every last little bit of everyone's like, why don't you walk away from some of these things? I'm like, no, I'm going to talk them into, I'm going to get them to trust me. I'm going to do the deal. So you're right. That is a huge problem. And what I, there's a, it's, it, there's a sub chapter in my book, the truth lies in the numbers. Here's the thing. Our business is a mathematical equation and that is it. And no, everyone I, I wrote in the book, you know, um, isn't my home a Picasso and I've got like an upside down frame just blown out. Yeah. No, your home is not a Picasso. No, it's not going to break the ceiling of valuation by $50 million. <laughs> You're not that special. <laughs> yeah. But how many times have we heard people say, but it's a Picasso and somebody <laughs> right. go to an art auction and pay $100 million over what it was really worth because they have to have it. And that's what's going to happen in my house. Well, guess what? 
other than maybe Oprah Winfrey bring, breaking the ceiling of valuation down in Montecito when she paid like 38 million 15 years ago, I was like, what the hell? That is a very rare occurrence in our business. I mean, right. the, the business is governed by math and data. And when you really understand price per square foot, and I've got a whole section in my book that talks what that is, it's a multiplier, you know, of the strengths and then the weaknesses in the asset. And there's probably 30 or 40 things that go into that cauldron right you know how do you how do you evaluate privacy quiet uh, if there's phone lines or power lines in the view versus no power lines i mean it, coming up with an appropriate evaluation is really the basis of what we do so when somebody says to me you know now nah, i want da, 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 at first what i do is i just gently put the numbers in front of them i describe every single house that i'm using as a basis point for their analysis and then I always pass the baton of control back over to them. Mm -hmm. And I say, if, if you feel strongly, this is your asset. You have all the control over it. I'll price this in any way that you want. But I just want you to see the data from the community. And I kind of get out of it. You know, I hold on to the listing. And listen, so a lot of people have to do this. I'm like, try it. But if that doesn't work within about 10 days, and we've run through every potential buyer in that pricing tier, you know, now, now we are chasing the knife down. We're in a position of defense instead of offense. Let's be in a position of offense. And then, of course, the guys who play football are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get on <laughs> offense. <laughs> anyway, a and, lot and of it is just language. And I'll tell you, Lorna Hines has been my mentor. I don't know if you've ever heard of Lorna Hines. She's an amazing amazing coach in this business. I have never met anybody smarter in real estate. And Lorna has taught me a lot of these tricks of the trade. She's been immensely helpful to me. Well, shout out to Lorna Hines. Um, yeah, well, uh, I also wanted to talk about um, what people are wanting in homes these days. You know, you've seen just you know, societal norms change, people's tastes have changed. You know, I'm in the, in the process of, of looking, uh, buying a home, which I, I finally decided on one. And I have a new construction, which means I'm overpaying, but at least I get to get all the stuff I want because we were looking at all of the finishes from even the mid 2000s that just didn't age well. I mean, nothing ages well, right? Everything always looks 15 years later. You're like, what were they thinking? Even in the, and we're, we're choosing all very, very uh, neutral whites and, and very simple. And I'm sure in 15 years, going to be like, what were they thinking going with neutral colors? But, um, but right now, um, you know, what are people looking for and, and what should agents be talking to sellers about with homes that maybe are a bit out of date? Yes. And that is really, that's the crux of the business, right? Is how do you monetize the asset without going too far over yeah. in an overcorrection? So I always start with, first of all, the structure value has to be there. If there's, if the ceilings are, you know, eight feet and there's a second story over the home and the home's all cut up and the doors and windows are really old, guess what? That's probably a tear down now. Yeah. Because it's just as expensive, it's more expensive to, to renovate that and fix bad stuff than it is. So once I understand, once I see something and say, okay, there's structure value left here. Here's, here's the, it's, all about the optics of marketing, right? How right. does something photograph? So for me, at least on the West Coast and a lot of my success, I, I probably, I think we've renovated, I've done pre-listing renovations for about 420 homes at this point wow. in my career. I mean, it is, I have eight homes under construction right now. And when I say construction, I'm talking about pre-listing improvements like paint, carpet, counter changes, lighting changes. Um, you know, even if the hardwood floors are dated and they're from the 70s and they're a narrow yellow oak, I stain them a dark gray brown blend. It's amazing 
how transformative just changing walls out to white right now. And yeah. by the way, whoever started slapping dark gray paint all over every wall four or five years ago made a mistake because now I'm changing them all back to white. They just <laughs> dark gray is, I love gray in linen sofas and I love it as accent colors. I don't like gray walls encumbering. It doesn't shoot well. So it's all about how the house photographs and the photography really great marketing is a layered blend of contrast. So you've got now like big wide plank floors are in vogue, right? Five, yeah. five and a half. I'm sure you're shopping. It's so much fun. Yeah. So that kind of beautiful planky floor, depending on what your palette is, but then layering it with something white. And then on top of that, it's a gray linen sofa. And on top of that, it's art that brings in. And when you have that layered contrast, that's what makes people stare at photographs. That's what makes people go, well, I don't know why I don't want to leave that listing. I'm really drawn to it online. It's because of contrast. So the white walls are a great, that's just the right palette to market homes for right now. And listen, it's been so interesting to watch in California, this white transitional farmhouse style has taken the state by storm. Every house that I listing that I take right now that's got either horizontal siding or maybe dated shingles, if I turn it white on white and put those like resto lantern style lights, yeah. it's like, bam, I have a contemporary farmhouse. And I was like, I'll pay you. I mean, you just drive up and down the streets. It's all about white homes. And guess why? Because the green landscaping around the white house, yeah. it really contrasts and the whole thing just comes alive on camera. It pops. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, and it, it is one of those things. People like minimal, clean. They like uh, um, the juxtaposition between light and dark. Uh, so you're absolutely so right. And things just need to pop. How? What percentage of your listings do you professionally stage? Is it 100%? Is it, you know, obviously not every room probably needs to be staged, but are you doing that with the majority of your listings? Yeah, 98% of our listings are professionally staged. Even when I go into a home that's a multi-million dollar home and a great designer's done it, the problem is the designers don't scale for, for how a house shoots. So again, it comes right. back to photography. I took a listing a few years ago, very well-known designer. Everything was just overly scaled. And that's how the family wanted to live for little kids. They wanted huge this, huge that. Guess what? That All the rooms felt diminished. People weren't buying the house. I finally had to pull all of her stuff out of there after about a month. And I professionally staged it and sold right away. So I rarely, if somebody's house, if the furniture is acceptable, it's current enough, I also have a stylist that I'll bring in that will supplement, you know, like, okay, they've got two sofas. They're kind of dated. I'm going to rent one L sectional from right. court or whomever. I'm going to rent some art at MoMA. And there's ways to get around. If your clients say, Hey, no way. I'm not signing up for 25 to $30,000 staging job, which is what it's costing in California right now. We've got ways to supplement and cut corners that still really allow me to market the home, but bring it up a level. And, you know, simple things like lighting changes, right? Those drum shades, those gray linen drum shades, they're $300. So who can't afford $300 to change out a light fixture? You know, take your Venetian, you know, blah, blah, right. take yeah. it with you and put the drum up because as soon as you shoot a room with a drum fixture, it looks like the room was built three or four years ago, not 15, 20 years ago. So we're always Great suggestions. I actually wanted to ask a totally off the wall question because um, you at one point were a brand new agent and we have a lot of people who listen to our show who are new to the business and they're probably thinking, okay, I have this contact list. You know, We know that rates are low. 
Um, I have my sphere of influence. What should I be doing right now in between sales? Do you have any, obviously we talked about some marketing initiatives, but do you have any just suggestions about what agents who, cause it's funny, I, I talk, we have 700 agents at our own company um, and most of them are really busy, but some of them really aren't. And there's a huge disparity between the people who are busy and, and the people who aren't, and they both don't understand each other. The people that are busy go, how is everyone not so busy? And the people that aren't busy go, I don't understand how people are so busy at the moment. So are there suggestions you have about how to get busy in between sales? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, you as along the lines of what we were talking about, I mean, you can spend a lot of time creating um, ad content and branding content and, and the placement of those things. You could do something like start writing a newsletter, which actually, you know, I do a monthly newsletter. It takes me a lot of time. I mean, I'm doing national data research. I've got local stuff. I'm like, what's happening in Marin County? I spent a long time kind of, I wanted a, 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 a newsletter that people would, that was sexy, that people would open up. So I always leave with something super cool. It's not some generic, you know, but then I've got what's happening around the town. You know, what's going on in San Francisco this weekend? Those, you start doing that and the data, look, the, the, the central force in all of this is your database, right? Yeah. I mean, mine's now at, I think, 6,000 people. It, wow. That getting in touch with your database and keeping that up to date, if you have nothing going on, literally go to everybody you can think of that knows somebody that might buy or sell or people you hung out with in college, if you're just getting out of grad school or whatever. Whoever is in your sphere of influence, get their email address, get their phone number, get their everything and start blasting them once a month with a really nice, a really nice newsletter. Yeah. You don't have to have a listing on there, but you can brand yourself as an expert in whatever area you're working in. Um, so do, there's a lot, I mean, I can't imagine you couldn't fill eight hours a day just thinking of creative content to get yourself out there. Posting things on Facebook, take your iPhone, right? Yeah. Turn it on yourself. I'm at the most beautiful house today. Check out why white houses are selling right now in Chicago. The contrast yeah. between the lawn, da, 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 da. post the video on all your social media. It'll get reposted. Like it's YouTube. There's so much content that can be created. Look, when I started, we didn't have all the, these devices. Right. We can stand there and video ourselves. I mean, there is such an amazing opportunity and it costs us nothing to do it. It's remarkable you know back in the day it was like okay i'm gonna call you know london tatler and you know because my clients would say like i want to be in you know <laughs> whatever european yeah. tatler and it, it was i mean these ads were like ten thousand dollars i knew i would never get one call on their listing but some friend had been over there and said oh your house should be advertising we were stuck you know drowning yeah. in debt on a print ad which was such a waste of our nobody ever bought homes from print ads like right. that we had to go along with it. Now we can just say, listen, you know, doesn't work. people yeah. have seen your house because I have it, you know, in photographs online. It's so much easier. Yeah, you can turn your phone on yourself and say, I have to show you guys this super cool thing in this house and walk over and point to it and click a button and then it distributes to Instagram and Facebook instantly and you'll get, you know, lots and lots of, of eyeballs on it where in the past you'd have to pay for those eyeballs. Um, and uh, and who, who could even tell... Uh, where, you know, what percentage of, of people saw that versus, you know, just found it on, on naturally. Um, I, you have a really funny story that I want, I would love for you to share with our audience about you had a client that had a, an issue with the law. I'll just, uh, if you don't mind sharing this, this particular story, if that's well, okay no, with you. I mean, I, we, and we had a crazy thing today. Too. I literally, there should be a camera in my office 24 seven. I deal with very wealthy, very oftentimes entitled people who want what they want when they want it. And 
name of the game is they are always right. I'm just gonna tell you that they are always right. So anyway, got a call uh, in the beginning of the, I went into his corporate office. I had no idea what was going on. I was just told, you know, I'm going through a divorce. I'm selling this massive house. Ironically, I'm gonna be selling the same house in about three weeks. It's the second time I'm gonna sell it, but this was about seven or eight years ago, nine years ago, maybe. Anyway, went in, very wealthy individual. That's all I was told, right? And then the communication started. It would come in from his email and I thought it was, there was some things that seemed off. And then he said, I've got an assistant who's going to start communicating with you in the house. He had overpriced the house. He wouldn't stage it for outstanding permits to the tune of about a half million dollars from the wow. city, fines, etc. So I, I kept saying to him, look, th these things are actually impeding our ability to sell this house. I mean, you've got to clean up the permit history, blah, blah, blah. So all of a sudden he said, I'm going to turn you over to my assistant. So I start getting, you know, emails from the assistant. And I, I, after about a month, I realized this was actually the client yeah. behind the veil of another email and another name abusing me, like pretty consistently, right? Wow. So I was all to his game. Oh, he was such an idiot. Yeah. Leave yeah. it out. So anyway, then of course I find out there's a revelation that he's actually been charged with something. This wasn't publicized at the time when I started this whole thing, but he got charged. He ended up having to go to jail for white collar crime. During then the U.S. Marshals seized the house for back taxes. Right. So oh this all this stuff started happening. This listing went on for like six or seven months, which is a long time where we live. And at one point, like at one point, the U.S. Marshal is in, and it was just like, I thought, you know, it was like, shoot him up. But he had a holster with a gun. I'm like, it's a movie. I mean, the guy's in the house, and this is how this thing's going to run. And, you know, they take the house back. And um, anyway, long story short, I was walking through with him, showing him the contents of personal items that were still left behind. I opened this top drawer, and literally like 10 penthouse magazines, hustlers come raining on my head <laughs> literally the guy it's like all it was up above me it comes falling down to the guy and i go to the guy oh my god it's raining porn in this <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing I, I was when i got out of that thing and i finally was able to sell it i i mean honestly there was no words for what he got off for the last oh that's like, incredible and then you had then you had to be like that's not mine that is the owner oh, of yeah. the home. <laughs> <laughs> storing my stuff over at my client's house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh that's God. incredible. What a, what a hilarious story. Oh, and then you all, so these stories. Oh, I, and you, you even have a story of two couples who swapped homes as well. Yes, I did. I mean, that was a really like, people always say, oh, we're going to swap homes. It, it happened once in my career where literally one couple was divorcing. The other couple was very, you know, happily married with their four kids and bam, they were just able, they were able to do this swap. So that, you know, and they're still in the house, by the way, the couple with the four children, they're both still in those homes, you know, 12 years later. So yeah, that's an unusual thing to time the buyer needs on two residents. Incredible. Exactly the same time. Were, were they friends? Were the two, the two no, groups friends? No, they did no. not even know each other. They just happened to call, like I, their house listed, he called, his house was going in the market. Well, they went over there and then like, bam, <laughs> a great swap. So. Oh, that's an amazing, 
Well, we should remind our listeners about your new book. So the new book is Real Estate Rescue, How America Leaves Billions Behind in Residential Real Estate and How to Maximize Your Home Value. This is uh, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's everywhere, right? So we're going to post links to it. So if you're listening to this as an audio episode, look in the notes. There'll be a link for, for the Amazon purchase. Please please consider buying this book. This is a book, this is from one of the top real estate agents in the country. This, all, the only people we interview on the show are top real estate agents in the country. Very few of them ever write a book. And this is exactly the kind of content that our audience wants to be able to take their real estate business to the next level. And also just for regular home buyers and sellers themselves, also understanding how they can make improvements and understand what their home is actually worth um, from one of the top uh, agents in the entire country. Um, Tracy, we are so excited to have had you on the show today. And I know just how busy you are. And this is, we are not, this is the evening time for both of us. And I know this is a busy time for you with being a mom and a business owner and all, and I know you're heading back to work tomorrow. So I want to give you some time tonight to enjoy your last night of freedom before you're back to it. Um, But thank you so, so much for being on the show. I want to remind everybody listening to please, if you want to see a really great realtor website, by the way, which showcases, we're going to talk branding. Tracy's website is truly one of the best I've ever seen. So visit her at Tracy McLaughlin. That's Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, McLaughlin.com. Please also follow her on Facebook. That's Marin, M-A-R-I-N, Fine Homes, and on Instagram at Tracy McLaughlin. We'll post links to all of your social stuff too. Uh, but on behalf of the listeners, Tracy, we want to say thank you. Uh, this is a big, uh, big thrill for us to have you on the show. We're super honored that you shared so many great tips and ideas, and we couldn't be more, more gracious grateful for you. And then also on behalf of Tracy and myself, we want to thank all of our listeners for continuing to support our show. We ask everyone listening or watching to just do one quick thing. Tell a friend. Think of one other real estate professional that would benefit from hearing from one of the top 20 realtors in the country, Tracy, and send them a link to the show. Easiest way you can do that, send go right to our website. It's keepingitrealpod.com or just pull up a podcast app. If you haven't already subscribed, search for Keeping It Real. It'll show up right there. Uh, But Tracy, thank you so much. And um, we're so excited uh, to be able to share your story with with our audience and um, wish you the best of luck. And hopefully, um, hopefully the fires go away soon. Thank you. It was very enjoyable to be on with you, DJ. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Tracy. Bye. Great to meet you.